Welcome to the Triple Helix Podcast. Thanks for joining us again on the Triple Helix Podcast. Heather Flexer is our guest again on this episode. She's a doctor of physical therapy and a board-certified wound specialist, CWS. Heather works in the field of wound care, post-surgery care and wellness, and also contributes content to the humanbiosciences.com site. Like me, she's a longtime proponent of mind, body, and holistic health, and she brings a plethora of helpful ideas to every pod. This time, we're addressing the topic of pressure injuries and Pressure Injury Awareness Month and Day. Heather Flexer is back with us. Hey, Dan. Hey, on the Triple Helix podcast. Great to have you back, Heather. How's everything going with you? All is well. Hope same for you. Uh, I'm fine. Um, after I kind of boned up or studied a bit about pressure injuries, I'm worried now because it, it's Pressure Injury Awareness Month in November of 2022, yes? Correct. And all November, long. all month, awareness is being raised about pressure injuries. So I, I raise my awareness a little bit. And it seems like just about anybody can get them um, if you're not careful. Well, yeah, anyone's susceptible to skin breakdown. But, of course, they're going to be the folks that are at higher risk. And those are the ones that we're, you know, trying to raise awareness with prevention. But that's going to be like our elderly um, folks that are not as mobile, maybe wheelchair bound, nutrition possibly is an issue for some people that have skin breakdown. Those are so all you, factors that are going to raise your pressure injury risk. So if you're doom scrolling for like three hours a night, is that's not that bad a risk? <laughs> well, normally you probably don't even realize that you're kind of fidgeting a little bit. Just minimal weight shifts are going to decrease the amount of pressure, allow for more kept blood flow to get to the, the tissue. But if you were completely sedentary, not moving, not twitching at all, yes, you could have some breakdown on your booty So for sitting too long. <laughs> so, so gamers on Twitch are twitching even slightly, and therefore they're pretty safe, generally speaking. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. On your nice cushioned chair, you know, you should be pretty good. Okay, so that, that makes a large swath of the population a little safer from pressure injuries. But what, what are some of the triggering factors when just a, a typical person suddenly finds themselves uh, either suffering from this or, or being warned to take measures not, not to get a pressure injury? Well, like you said, is that going to happen to our general population? Um, you'd have to maybe be having surgery for an extended period of time where you're kind of unconscious or knocked unconscious and not moving at all uh, for you to have breakdown. I've definitely um, seen people like that in the hospital where they were found down and then they have pressure injuries on their bony prominences. So like your tailbone or your hip bone or your heels or the back of your skull, something that if you feel it, you could feel the bone like right underneath the skin. Those areas are going to be more susceptible to breaking down. But unless you're unconscious and not moving, the general population is going to be just fine. Well, that's pretty good news. But if you're on <laughs> That's great news. 
<laughs> There's still but, a lot of danger out there, Heather. I'm telling yeah, you. I'm I'm sorry. You're just gonna have to be brave. <laughs> okay, all right. Well, thank thank you for that, like really mi- micro pep talk. <laughs> but for the folks that are at a higher risk, like someone that is um, primarily in a wheelchair, we try to you know educate people on shifting weight getting in or out of the chair several times a day, not spending more than like two or three hours in one position. If your skin integrity is intact and you're not having all these other compounding factors like incontinence or being, let's say, overly sweaty, doing those things can help. So like making sure that you're moving frequently or being moved if you can't move yourself. Wow. So it sounds as if you're in a, a good care facility, whether it's a hospital or a long-term care facility that the staff knows enough to move you if, if you're not able to move yourself or shift you and turn you in bed. Or uh, it, Absolutely. I, There's tons of protocols. Are they generally pretty well followed? Can most patients expect that if they're unfortunate enough to be unconscious for a long time or gone through surgery, these other things are described, that the staff will pretty much see that they're taken care of? Yeah, I mean, it's part of regular rounds that's being done. Looking at, at the skin is is a regular part of care on a, on a daily basis. Of course, things happen. Things can change. Someone's physical status can change. There could be a decline in their situation that makes someone who was at a lower risk at a higher risk. Um, maybe there's been like some weight loss or an illness or incontinence that was that was new that's not there wasn't there before maybe there is a staffing issue there's all sorts of of reasons that these things happen but on a regular basis yes there are protocols in place at every facility for managing pressure ulcer risk that's great and when you talk about skin integrity of course my mind goes to as we age I know our skin typically becomes a little more fragile, uh, thinner perhaps, and it just doesn't have the same elasticity that it, that it once had. Correct. Yep. It start, starts to weaken um, overall. And that can that's just a general aging situation. But then when you put in play, maybe the nutrition isn't as, as good. Their, their taste buds change. They're not eating what they want to eat. They don't feel good. They don't like the food. For whatever reason, uh, that's going to decline the skin integrity as well. Um, and like we've mentioned, the incontinence factor can be an issue as well. But that's interesting. You've brought up nutrition uh, two, three times. So in the case of a more elderly person in either a facility or home or hospital, can changes in, in their diet strengthen their skin, make it healthier, more responsive to treatment, or less likely to get a pressure injury, whether it's a younger or, or middle-aged person, whether and what can be done in terms of nutrition to improve the condition of their skin? Is there a point at which you can't? Or is there always a way to sort of improve diet, improve the skin, and improve the healing process? I'm sure there's a finite limit to which we can improve, but you know, usually they're working with, there's usually a registered dietitian um, involved at these facilities that is also aware of people with pressure injuries. They're usually involved in the 
and the Loon team and helping to optimize their nutritional status as best as possible. Well, that's interesting. You, you, use the, you use the phrase uh, wound team. Tell me about that. I've not heard about a wound team before. Well, definitely in long-term care facilities, there's going to be a wound team. And that usually consists of physician, whether that's someone that is like from the facility or sometimes they'll outsource that to an outside doctor, a nurse that's involved in their regular care. And then there's usually a, a registered dietitian, sometimes a physical therapist, and someone on the team is usually a wound specialist. And so they're all kind of putting all heads together about, you know, what can we do medically? What can we do with their daily care? What should we be doing with their dressing? Should we change their positioning? Do we need to get physical therapy involved? Do we need to do whatever we need to do? Let's we now have a new issue. How do we fix it? That having been said, I know uh, from seeing some of the literature that these pressure injuries can be really severe and even life threatening. They they can be deep wounds and uh, very kind of grievous wounds. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, they can go all the way down to bone. Once we have exposed bone, then the person's risk for infection and infection of the bone is much higher. Once we get into that situation, healing, of course, is going to be very difficult. Although it sounds grievous, it is not nearly, you're not going to see nearly as many stage four wounds. That's the ones that go down to the bone as in the past. Like now we have much better communication. We have much, you know, everything's being tracked and followed and people are being looked at and turned in position. Like all these things that we know to help our kind of standards of care. And then there's uh, repercussions if these standards of care aren't being withheld. So all these facilities are going through audits and being monitored by the state. And so these things don't happen as much as they used to. That's interesting. So it makes me think that since in the professional setting, things are monitored and pretty well regulated and, and taken care of. So it's folks that are at home that may be more vulnerable. I mean, they may get home health care, maybe a family member. But yeah. what's that like? Are there isolated people who suffer from this maybe because they don't have that level of care at home? Or Yeah, getting care at home is difficult. You'll usually see some of the worst injuries like in transition. So maybe they've been home and the care has been minimal or questionable or unreliable and they've found themselves now in the hospital and that's when that you know um they realize how bad this wound has gotten you know sometimes you have people aren't always compliant with care they don't want to be turned or you know like they're laying in a certain position because that's the most comfortable for them so they they can't really turn them very much so that becomes you know a problem not everybody cooperates so there's also patient desire as well. I see. So I know we're going to be leading up to human biosciences, great collagen products, which have a tremendously good track record on pressure injuries. But prior to, or if people in these 
facilities aren't aware of things like skin temp and Metafil and Colatech, what forms of treatment are traditional? And my mind turns to when IV antibiotics, when you talk about exposed bone and infection, that sounds really very dangerous. So yeah, what... Usually the, someone would be transferred to the hospital at that point for IV, typically. Um, but in the past, I mean, w- wet to dry gauze dressings were kind of the standard of care um, just to 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 fill the space. That what is a wet to dry uh, gauze dressing? Sorry to interrupt you. No, it's essentially just gauze moistened with saline and put in moist. And then over time, it kind of dries out and then you remove it. However, we there's plenty of studies out there that demonstrate how bad wet to dry actually is. It doesn't help with infection control. It damages new healthy tissue as it's growing and needs to be changed all the time. So it's not as cheap as it seems. So that's part of the reason something like the collagen products are so great. They are not going to damage healthy tissue. They go in there. They kind of donate collagen to jumpstart the the healing process. And many of these individuals are going to be kind of debilitated. So they're not, you know, your optimal client. They're not like a little kid who goes and scrapes his knee where, you know, just cleaning it and leaving it open to air might be fine for someone like that. But if we're talking about our frail elderly patients, you know, wet to dry just doesn't cut it. No, that really doesn't sound very high tech. (laughs) No. (laughs) Or very soothing or anything. Very good. So not to knock all you nurses out there who are using this technique. Sorry. It just sounds like more could be done. Absolutely. And it's not even the, it really the nurse's fault. They're essentially following the orders that are written. So it's really up to like that wound team to develop better protocols. It's It's up to the physicians that are writing the orders and the nurse practitioners that are writing the orders to put better things in place. And I think many do and and many facilities have excellent protocols out there so that's usually not where we're seeing that kind of thing but we're seeing it more so in like the home care setting or post-surgically or something like that where we're seeing more of the wet to dry odors that are kind of persisting i see but with the proliferation of human biosciences collagen products and doctors offices and hospitals and care centers I get the impression it's sort of penetrating the market enough so it's becoming more commonplace. And when I was reading up on pressure injuries before our interview today, I saw that typically they can take months to heal. So in your experience, what are the differences that you perceive in treating a wound using more traditional methods, using um, HBS collagen products? Oh, night and day. I mean, you're talking, like you said, it could be months. It could be never healing really with a with using gauze still um especially with someone that's so compromised uh it's just never going to heal but i've seen with collagen products wounds that had exposed tendon very little granulation tissue and the doctor was like ready to amputate a toe and i was like wait wait we have to try this and the wound healed within a month so there's no reason not to try these advanced products, especially 
when you could heal the wound. Why not try it? That's the yeah. goal. <laughs> right. And so obviously you're part of a wound team from time to time. Or maybe yes, all the time. Yes, I have been. No, I have been, yes. I see. So that, I mean, that's a pretty dramatic story you just told. And I'm assuming you've seen this time and again, the high performance. Absolutely. Well, that's, that's pretty exciting. So it, that seems like a big vista between wet to dry and collagen. Is there, is there any middle ground where they're putting some other sort of material on the wound or is it kind of a, a more of a black and white division? So there's definitely ton, you know, lots of different products on the market. It can get very confusing for, for people that aren't in the wound care world to know what to use, but there's gels and alginates and foams and hydrocolloids. But the most biologically active dressing that we have that you can find in most facilities is going to be your collagen based products. That's great. So they're offering a lot of a lot of healing and a lot of relief out there. That's that's a good story. You know, I've had elderly relatives in those situations, and you always worry about them when they're being taken care of in some facility, and you can't be there for them every minute or as regularly as you'd like. Absolutely. I mean, so many are in that situation. So to recap, it sounds as if you've got real world experience you know, working with these collagen products and you can confirm that you've kind of looked looked it in the eye or looked seen these wounds up close and personal and taking care of real suffering humans who are benefiting from the special properties of the collagen products. I can. Have you ever been in a situation on a wound team or caregivers role with pressure injuries in which you've introduced the uh, HBS products and people haven't seen them before and then they they become kind of converts once they see it in action? Oh yeah, I'm. When these products first came out in the market, it took a little bit of convincing, you know, for physicians to accept it. They are more expensive than like a wet to dry, of course, or even a, a gel. But once they were willing to try it, tried it, and saw the results, they understood, and then it became kind of a no-brainer. That's great, but. We were talking about nutrition and what crossed my mind was some people drink collagen in a smoothie or something like that, or dissolve it in a liquid or take capsules as a nutritional supplement. Would both ingesting collagen and applying collagen be logical moves to improve the I condition think, of your skin? Or Yeah, I mean, I take it every day for regular beautification, but... Um, as far as wound healing, I've absolutely recommended it for people, especially if, and this isn't pressure injury related, but if they're recovering from a surgery, maybe they've had a, a great weight loss kind of fast and their wound isn't healing as well. It's kind of, I've recommended collagen oral supplementation as well, because why not try to kind of tackle the obstacle from both ends, so internally and externally. That's kind of what I was thinking. And I know right now HBS is not offering those kinds of products. And I think it's a different, typically a different type of collagen that's used in nutrition, right? You know, Pe there are... Peptides or something? Yeah, I'm not 100%, but I, I know that there are uh, marine collagen is common and also bovine collagen 
for supplementation as well. So I'm not sure. Maybe HBS needs to get on that. And uh, even we- just in like the wound world, because there's a very popular supplement, Juven, even though that's amino acid based, like a combination of sorts would be fantastic. Right, because yeah. if you could, you could compound it really well, you know, med- medical grade nutrition kind of thing. So the nutritionist could recommend it along with the team. So that's kind of cool. So Heather, Pressure Injury Awareness Month and yeah, November seventeenth is Pressure Injury Prevention Day. So that's the big, big push. Okay, so give us give us the uh, the platform of Prevention Day. What should we do and not do? <laughs> we all need to get up and get moving. Stay hydrated. Make sure we can, you know, reach out to our elderly community members, see if they need anything and and make sure they're okay and get them up for a walk as well. <laughs> that sounds that was great. And in terms of awareness, I think we've clarified what a pressure injury is, who generally gets it, how you can avoid it and deal with it if you're have the misfortune of getting it. So I think we've done okay. I think we've covered the waterfront. Sounds like it to me. <laughs> Is there anything you'd add? Any any new breakthroughs you've read about or heard about or tips for the, you know, pro tips for the, the pro pressure injury user or pro pressure injury practitioner? I think one tip, it's not always like um, on the bottom or what you're sitting on, but if you have someone in your life who maybe has had a stroke or or wears a brace of some sort on their foot, I'm thinking drop foot with a stroke or an issue with the wrist, those um, braces and special shoes and things like that all need to be checked out every once in a while. They should be taking it off every day, um, making sure the skin's okay. So it is important to like check feet and any of these random spots that might be susceptible to pressure that might not come to the forefront of your mind immediately. I can always count on you to be the consummate professional. <laughs> so Heather Flexer, thanks for joining us again on the Triple Helix podcast. Always great talking to you. Thanks so much. Thanks, Dan. Thanks for joining the Triple Helix podcast presented by Human Biosciences. Your host was Dan Bernard.